0: Welcome, aspiring and advancing Stoics, to another episode of Meet the Modern Stoics. This is where today's leading Stoic advocates share ancient wisdom that you can apply for better living today. I'm your host, Scott Perry, creator of thestoicguitarist.com. Get guided and go Stoic. Adopt the posture of a bulletproof creative, the mindset of a thriving artist, and deliver better work to the right people. Remember that Stoicism is a philosophy of action, not navel-gazing. Listen to the wisdom delivered in this episode and then apply it to your life, your work, and relationships today. Let's meet today's guest. Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Perry, Stoic Guitarist teacher and fellow traveler. I am the creator of the Stoic and the Intrepid admin for the Painted Porch the members-only Facebook group for members of the Stoic guitarist. Very pleased to be here with Mr. Massimo Pigliucci and for the very first episode of a series called Meet the Modern Stoic. And I'm so excited. Massimo is one of my my real heroes in, in modern Stoicism. He's got some exciting things going on in his life. So right now, Massimo, I'd love to turn it over to you and have you introduce yourself to the group. And please share whatever project you're most excited about in modern Stoicism right now that you're working on.
1: Well, thanks. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, let's see. Exciting projects. Well, my book, How to Be a Stoic, is coming out uh, very f- shortly. Uh, on uh, May 9th is the U.S. release. Uh, the Italian version, actually, has already come out. For some reason, the Italians have managed to do the translation before even the Americans got the original out. Uh, and then the U.K. edition is coming out tomorrow, on uh, on May 4th. So that's exciting and it's uh, I'm doing a lot of things uh, con- you know, connected with the book, including, of course, this particular uh, podcast. Uh, and um, so it's been very exciting. I'm going go, uh, to go uh, to the Netherlands and Belgium soon uh, to promote the book. I've already done a trip to Italy, and I'm going to go do one, in, do one in the UK uh, shortly. And then I'm going to be teaching a summer school on stoicism uh, uh, based in part on the book uh, in Rome in July. So that's, uh, that's a lot of activity uh, for the that's book. Good.
0: That's excellent. A couple of questions leap to mind. Um, the, the first is, uh, I can't wait. I've already pre-ordered a copy of the book, and I'm, uh, I'm jealous. I, it, it's appropriate that the Italians got it first, but I'm quite jealous that <laughs> the Americans. So. Um, but I wanted to ask you, before we dive into how to be a Stoic, and maybe just share a little bit of, of what the book is about, why be a Stoic?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, it really for me was, uh, uh, as I do explain at the beginning of the book, it it was a somewhat of a strange path because, uh, you know, I grew up in Italy, in Rome, uh, and therefore sort of by default, uh, I grew up as a Catholic, although my family was never particularly religious. But, you know, officially that was what we were doing. You know, we'll go to church maybe a couple of times a year or something like that. But still, that was the idea. Uh, and then uh, during teenagehood, I sort of started having doubts, and then I read, of course, Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian, and that was it as far as I was concerned. Uh, and, um, you know, after a few years, I started looking for some kind of more positive philosophy or than just saying I don't believe. And uh, I've, I stumbled on secular humanism, I, I started reading about psychohumanism, and I considered myself a secular humanist for a long time. Now, the problem, however, that I felt increasingly uncomfortable with secular humanism because it kind of felt more than it didn't really feel like a philosophy. It, it felt like a wish list of things that I agree with, uh, mostly in terms of sort of politics, you know, sort of progressive liberal politics. But it seems to me that a philosophy life should be more than just a, a wish list of stuff. Uh, that people may or may not agree with, uh, and it wasn't also particularly helpful in terms of sort of guidance and uh, providing a framework for for how to think of, about stuff. So I was not that happy with it. Now a lot of secular humanists, however, are into virtue ethics, uh, and particularly Epicureanism for some reason that that it's actually not that easy to understand. Um, so then then I started reading about Epicureanism, you know, about virtue ethics first. So Aristotle is the first stop, of course and Virtual Ethics, uh, sorry, and and is next. Uh, in the meantime, by the way, what had happened was that I shifted career. My my early career, my initial career was a, in academia was as an evolutionary biologist. Then after about 20 plus years, I you know, sort of an early uh, midlife crisis struck and I wanted to do something different. Uh, so I went back to school, I got my PhD in philosophy and I moved to philosophy full time. So it was a combination of not feeling particularly good about secular humanism, beginning to explore virtual ethics on my own and the, the shift to philosophy to becoming a professional philosopher. And so I was in the midst of all of this when a few years ago on my Twitter feed, I see this thing that says, help us celebrate Stoic Week. And I said, what the hell is Stoic Week? <laughs> and why is anybody celebrating Stoicism? <laughs> Uh, so I looked into it, of course, and I found out, oh, it's, a, it's this really interesting group of people from uh, the University of Exeter and other places. It's a bunch of philosophers and psychotherapists. It's like, I wonder what that is about. So I downloaded their manual. I, I did this, uh, the Stoic Week uh, for, uh, for fun, basically. And, uh, and that kind of brought back, actually, a lot of stuff about Stoicism that I studied all the way back in high school. Because in Italy, in high school, you have to study philosophy. For three years and you start with the greeks and the romans of course not only that but i studied latin for eight years i translated seneca uh you know as a sort of a school exercise so it's like ah it all came back um but now it came back in a different time in my life with, a, with when, when i had gone through a number of different you know experiences and i was actually actively looking for a sort of more coherent philosophy of life so i have to say the so sort of immediately struck a chord with with me and so I committed to do uh, to, to follow up for a few months after Stoic Week. And then at the end of the few months, I committed to, to uh, follow up for, for a full year of practice and studying. And now, three years later, here we are and I'm still doing it.
0: Fantastic. So if you were to give maybe if, if somebody, you know, if, if a member of the uninitiated came up to you and um, said, can you tell me what Stoicism is? can you provide like a one to three sentence uh, description of what stoicism is?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I've been working on on some kind of elevator speech basically <laughs> about stoicism. And it's not that easy. And I think it's not easy. On, I mean, the, the ancient stoics in particular made it not easy on purpose. I think that they sort of had this idea that you don't want to reduce a philosophy to a bumper sticker uh, sort of version. But broadly speaking, I think I would have to say that stoicism uh, is about a couple of things. It is about... Figuring out what is really important in life um, and, and how to frame your priorities uh, in life. It is also about achieving some kind of equanimity and, and tranquility uh, about the way you live your own life. Um, so I think that's the essence of it. Now, of course, the way they do that is through the, the three disciplines or the practice of the four virtues, uh, you know, the dichotomy of control and all these other stuff. And that, of course, doesn't lend itself to much of an elevator speech. But I would say that, that, that those are the two major things, right? It's, it's a philosophy. Uh, it's not the only philosophy that tries to do so, of course, but it is a philosophy that allows you to uh, uh, set priorities in life and, uh, and also allows you to develop, uh, pushes you to develop a, a degree of equanimity toward what happens, which itself then leads to uh, serenity of mind
0: awesome uh yeah i i I agree sometimes it's you want to avoid the bumper sticker approach and but i think about this a lot because i think in some ways stoicism suffers from a little bit of uh, some branding problems and i like to have something to say that can start a conversation without turning somebody off and so i think my current one is stoicism is a study in what it means to be truly human and truly happy and how to become more of both. And then I think the next step is is that dichotomy of control. And I love the, um, for me, uh, you know, I, I try to tell people it's about trying to achieve your potential as a human being and as a member of, of society. And um, so that's fantastic. I appreciate
1: that You know, now that you put it that way, another way to, to perhaps introduce people to socialism is to say that it is a philosophy that it t- teaches you uh, how to apply reason to improving social living. I think that actually captures quite a bit. Uh, That's excellent.
0: Yeah, I think I, I love talking about this with people like you because I think we just really need to we need to frame what we're this love that we have. And and for a lot of us, I think we all feel like this is this is the solution to the times that we're in right now in terms of not just surviving as a species, but to, you know, kind of advancing as as a as a as a, as the animals that we are. Um, so Maybe just briefly tell us uh, in your about your book, you know, so now that we know that we should maybe want to be a Stoic, how do we be a Stoic?
1: Yeah, so the book uh, started out, that one also, kind of by chance, actually. Uh, you might you notice that the book has the same title as my blog, out of beastoic.org. Now, both of them <coughs> have the same title uh, of an op-ed that I wrote for The New York Times. Uh, near the beginning of this of this journey. And so what happened was that after doing, uh, as I was saying earlier, after doing this uh, trial with uh, Stoic Week and then sort of committing for a few more months, I wrote to the editor of The Stone, which is the New York Times philosophy blog. And um, I, I had written for The Stone before about my actual uh, sort of technical writings, you know, my, my specialties in philosophy of science. And particularly I'm interested in the so-called demarcation problem, the distinction between science and pseudoscience. So I had published in the stone, an article for the general public explaining what the demarcation problem is, is and why it's important. So I knew the guy. And, um, after I did this, uh, these initial couple of months with stoicism, uh, uh was playing with stoicism. I said, I wrote to him, I said, look, I've been doing this thing and it sounds to me like it's an unusual, I uh, think well, would you would you like a uh, an op-ed uh, about how to be a stoic uh, as a sort of a, an actual professional philosopher that tries as an experiment on himself uh, to 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 practice stoicism for a while and he loved the idea and he says oh sure absolutely send me the piece so I did and uh, the following night the, the, the day after publication of the piece in the New York Times the editor of the New York Times uh, uh, of the sorry of the of the uh, Stone. Uh, called me up and said, you know, I'm, you. I'm glad that we did this because it's been the most emailed um, uh, article on the site. And I said, the, you mean the Stone site? And he said, no, the New York Times. Wow. I said, what? Who the hell are these people that, that, that emailed each other, you know, an article uh, uh, about about stoicism? As soon as I hung up the phone with the New York Times editor, the publishers of several major uh, houses started calling and saying, "Hey, we we read your article in New York Times. Are you writing a book?" And So my first, you know, the first one to call was Penguin, which actually turned out to be the publisher of the UK uh, edition of the book, uh, which comes out tomorrow. And so my first reaction was, "Well, no, not really. That was just a you know one one shot." And it's like, no, I, I don't think so. Then the second one called, and then the third one, I said, "You know, let me call my agent. I'll get back to you." <laughs> <laughs> so I asked my agent, and you know, I said, "You know." This said, uh, Well, what the hell is going on here? This is, I mean, I've written a number of other books before. This one is my 12th. So, uh, but something like this has never happened before. The actual publisher is actually coming after you to ask you to do these kind of things. And she explained, explained to me something interesting that I had not realized. She said, Look, what uh, a lot of uh, acquisition editors are doing these days is they're looking for things that they did not expect. So probably these people looked at something like the most emailed article today in the New York Times and, and discovered that it was about stoicism. That was not on their radar uh, at all. And so they said, ah, maybe we're missing something here and let, let's follow through. So I said, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. So I, I got into, into it. I, I did the proposal and then I, then I had a sabbatical coming up. Uh, so I went to Rome to write the book um, and and it was a lot of fun. It was a, It was really interesting. But what I wanted to do was yeah something practical, of course about you know how to be a stoic, and of course it had to be a part about in the beginning about why do you want to be a stoic as opposed to something else. But you know there's there's already a lot of excellent books about stoicism out there. Uh, you know Don Robertson' uh, book um, is the one that first the very first one actually that I read is very practically oriented. It's very sort of almost kind uh, of behavioral therapy is a CBT practitioner, so it's it's almost it almost feels like a, a philosophically well informed sort of CBT work and then I I read uh, Bill Irvine's book and then of course I eventually got to Ryan Holiday I also read some more really uh, academically uh, so thick stuff like uh, uh, Larry Baker's book so there was a lot there's already a lot of stuff out there and I just didn't want to write you know my own version of the same thing so I had to come up with something different And the idea was well okay so my favorite uh, is stoic well I shouldn't say that because I actually like all the Stoics for different reasons, but one of the Stoics that I really that really clicked immediately with me was Epictetus. Uh, it turned out that it was the first Stoic that I reread after I got into Stoics. You know, I had I read Seneca, as I said, you know, very early on when I was young. I read Marcus Aurelius, you know, several times, but uh, Epictetus was the first one sort of the, the, of this new phase, and he really clicked with me. It was like it, the guy has a wicked sense of humor. Like, uh, and he's also, you know, he's, he's straight. To, to, he talks straight to you in a, in a in a way that is very accessible, very clear. Um, but he also has uh, he he also presents stoicism in a way that doesn't necessarily that I don't necessarily agree with. He's very he's definitely the most pious of the Stoics. He talks a lot about God, that's right. So I figured, okay, an ongoing imaginary conversation between Epictetus and me might be the key to the book. Uh, uh, because that way I can use the discourses as a way to introduce people to the basics of Stoicism but I can also pick occasional disagreements with epictetus and, and by, in that way explain how I think that Stoicism can be updated to the 21st century. Right? So that's the basic idea. So I imagine a series of conversations with Epictetus, the book is not a dialogue because that that would be too much. That's that's too hard to write and probably would be boring after a while. But every chapter on a, on a different topic starts out with an imaginary, uh, you know, walk that Epictetus and I are taking, you know, visiting Nero's villa or or the Roman Forum, which I actually did while I was writing the book. I actually did took take, those, take the, the, those walks because I had an apartment uh, very near the center of Rome where all this stuff is. Uh, Not only that, but actually during the sabbatical, when I was writing the book, I took side trips. I went to uh, Pamukkale in Turkey, which is, of course, uh, ancient Hierapolis where Epictetus was born. So I visited. It's a a gorgeous site. It's a uh, UNESCO international heritage, world heritage site. Uh, And so I walked by the streets where Epictetus was, uh, you know, spent his his, his early years. Um, And then I went to Nicopolis in northwestern Greece which is where Epictetus went after he was kicked out of Rome uh, by Domitian. The uh, um, and then he reestablished his school there, and, you know, and, and which became one of the most uh, popular schools in antiquity. So I went there and you know, visit um, that site as well. And so all of that was in order to sort of get a feeling for, for these places and get a feeling for what Epictetus might actually have been doing uh, there. And, uh, and so it was a lot of fun. It, I, could, I have to tell you, I have to admit, this is the fastest book by far that I've written. I mean, in four months, I wrote the entire first draft and then went over it uh, and and corrected it. And that was, I think, because I was so excited and so into it uh, that, and also I had very little distraction because I was in Rome on my own. Uh, sort of. Well, there are distractions in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> there's good food. There, there's my family there, which you know didn't exactly leave me alone, fortunately um but uh but it was a really unusual experience a really really uh interesting experience and so i hope that that's gonna sort of um uh, be obvious to the bb be, be, be um visible in the book when people read it that, that it's really a, a kind of a unique voice a unique kind of experience
0: well it sounds i'm just now uh, on my on my uh during my daily workout i'm listening to the podcast the history of philosophy without any gaps which comes out of uh University in London. I can't remember which one, um, but I'm in the Plato section, and it almost sounds like you've written kind of like Socratic style dialogues, like like Plato did um, right. with Epictetus, and that's a that's a fascinating approach. I can't wait to get my hands on the book again. I'm glad the Roman the, the Italians got it first. Um, so many things I would love to. To talk about, but we only have about ten more minutes. I'm I am right here. Going to uh, I'm trying trying to keep an eye on my phone to see if anybody has any questions. And if you do, please ask, and I'll get to those right away. Um, One thing I love about what you just said is how a very purposeful, intentional approach to that initial article, without any kind of external expectations about what would happen, which all sounds very stoic, you know, led to this led to this um, path. At the Stoic Guitarist and here in the Painted Porch, we are really dedicated to using Stoicism, both ancient and modern, as a toolkit, using the principles and practices along with our our kind of uh, instinctual and intuitive creative capacity and this idea of purposeful, intentional approach to work and living and relationships and kind of joining all those together to what I say that my elevator pitch for my, my site is, at my site, I try to get everybody, I, I try to get creatives, which is everybody, everybody is capable of creating things that had not previously existed to level up to artistry. And that what's required, there's only two requirements to become an artist. Your creativity has to have a proper motivation and a specific intention, and it has to be shared with others in order to try to transform. And I have found as a a professional guitar player and as a teacher um, that, you know, stoicism, as I continue to dive in deeper, I I got exposed to it um, as as a seventh grader uh, by my Latin teacher in school. Um, And I've been reading Marcus Aurelius, annually since the seventh grade. Um, but uh, it's interesting too, I went, I did Ryan Holiday, then Bill Irvine, then, then Donald. So I, I did the exact opposite approach <laughs> that you did. Um, so just for the members here, uh, can you share a specific one or two stoic principles and practices or concepts that can can help creatives level up to artistry
1: oh that's a that's a good question so uh, i usually don't think uh of what i do as a sort of artist artistic right but in fact it is because as you say creativity is everywhere i mean and your people uh, normally draw these, these sharp distinction between let's say the sciences on the one hand or even some of the humanities like philosophy and then the arts, right? Uh, music and painting and all that sort of stuff. But in fact, I, I've actually occasionally argued that it takes a lot of creativity to be a decent scientist. Uh, you know, it's, it's not there's since there is no such thing. You know, the scientific method is not an algorithm that you just sit there and apply step by step like a computer. It needs creativity. You know, good scientists. I don't. I don't want to talk about exceptional. You know, or, or scientists, but even good scientists, if they don't, if they don't engage in creative. Uh, thinking they're they're nothing they're they're just technicians the same goes for philosophers for creative creative philosophers need to be creative good philosophers need to be creative so so I think that uh, you know in the last few years I've started thinking about what I do Uh, and of course when it comes to writing uh, you know especially writing for a general public then you definitely need to be creative Uh, you're not just repeating somebody else's ideas you have to put your own uh, sort of heart and soul into, into it so in terms of stoicism specifically well one thing that comes to mind is uh reading seneca especially on not wasting time uh, is is one of the things that really sharp sharp my my attention right my focus it's like uh or reading one of my favorite quotes from Epictetus is the one that talks about you know uh i'm paraphrasing now but uh the one that says you know what are you waiting for the olympic games has already started <laughs> <laughs> like, oh right exactly um or sometimes Marcus Aurelius, when he says, you know, that uh, uh, we're not made to stay in bed in the morning under uh, under a blanket; we're just wait to, you know, made to get up and do the, the, the work of a human being. So all of those are constant reminders to me. When you get into those situations where you know, really, today, I really don't feel like doing anything. I'm not, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the, uh, you know, in the right uh, frame of mind. But then I say, well, yeah, but you don't really have an infinite amount of time ahead of you. This could be, as Seneca says, the last day of your life. So what are you going to do? Spending in bed or just, you know, watching TV or something? like that? no, absolutely. So get down and you know, get 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 up and, and start writing. So those are the things that actually I find uh, that that help me a lot. They shorten my my attention, my sense of urgency about about writing. And then, in terms of sort of uh, the creative process itself, uh, you know, to me it's just it's like Stoicism. I think of Stoicism as you know. Maybe 10% theory and 90% practice, uh, right? Uh, so, in terms of, of writing, to me, is the same. You know, I write a lot, but I read a lot more. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't actually read a lot of stuff from all over the place, not just about you know other Stoic authors, which obviously I do, but you know across a fairly large spectrum of, of interests, uh, then ideas don't come to your mind. I mean, you know, your mind works in, in sort of really strange ways. I was about to say mysterious, but I don't want to sound, sound mystical. Uh, you know, it sounds in strange, in strange ways, which we don't actually understand very well. But the more you read, the more you talk to people, the more you engage in discussions. You know, I'm very active on the Facebook Stoic community. Uh, I have a fairly active Twitter feed and all that sort of stuff. And the reason for that, and of course on the blog, and the reason for that is because I love being challenged by other people about, you know, for instance, let me give you just an example. This morning... Um, uh, so what is it? Yeah, yesterday I published uh, an essay on uh, on one of Cicero's uh, Tusculan Disputations, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and one of my regular readers, you know, uh, came back with a comment about uh, the fact that he was so disagreeing with, with Cicero's take on on anger. Uh, Cicero explains the standard uh, Stoic view that anger is all, is a temporary madness, and so it's never good, right? And so we got into this interesting discussion about well, is there a good use of, of, you know, potential good use of anger, or do you have actually to calm down first and then redirect your attention and so on and so forth? And the very fact that I had <clears throat> to take seriously what a thoughtful commenter was saying. Uh, about things and I had to go back and check a couple of things that started a whole new process. And now I have in mind a new essay that I'm going to write soon about the same topic. So so it works. It works that way for me. And, and stoicism has been a way is a way uh, for me to, to prioritize and to remind myself of the sense of urgency uh, about what I do and, and what I want to do.
0: Um, Massimo, we have we we got a late start due to my technical difficulties. Um, we're at about 26 minutes, and I do want to be respectful of your time, and um, we do try to keep these at 30 minutes and make sure that they they remain uh, introductions. And um, as an introduction, uh, it is my hope that the the folks here in the within the painted porch and anybody that's watching uh, on the YouTube channel or um, in the replay on the site uh, connects with you. And uh, continues to f- uh, follow your 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 journey in stoicism and all the wisdom and knowledge that you've um, shared. And certainly, you've you've in many ways impacted my life deeply with your with your work. How can people get and stay uh, in touch with what you're up to?
1: Well, the best way is this, to follow my blog, howtobeastoic.org. Uh, it really is an ongoing exploration of stoicism, as as it says on the subtitle of the blog. Uh, you know, basically whatever I read or whatever it seems to me that can uh, benefit from a Stoic perspective, I write about it. And I use a blog uh, really as a, as a tool for personal growth. I just put out there stuff that I think is interesting to me, and then I hope that it's going to be interesting uh, for other people uh, and that they're willing to provide their their feedback. So it's a not, it's really an ongoing public, public diary, essentially, uh, about my explorations of Stoicism. So that's probably the best way. Uh, to follow me, and um, you know, other than that, from there you'll find my Facebook page and my Twitter feed and all that, all that sort of stuff. But the blog is the more uh, sort of thick presence that I have. I just
0: had a conversation with a member uh, of the Painted Porch yesterday, and we were both uh, singing the praises of your blog and how deeply. I, well, you might have seen Chris write um, in the Modern Stoicism group that you are his, uh, is it Junius Rusticus? That's right. Which Which, of course
1: makes him Marcus Aurelius, right?
0: Right, right, right. Well, and Marcus is my go-to guy. I have honestly, I have not read Seneca yet. I need to, I've read Epictetus and I've read Marcus Aurelius and I've read snippets of, um, of Musonius Rufus. Um, Seneca is the the one guy that he just, every time I read something, I I just think this is not my guy, but I need to do it. Um, I just want to, wrap up by one of the things you said struck me and I want to just share it with the members and that is you know one of the things that we talk often about here is the archer metaphor because it it explains right. the value that even though the the outcome is outside of our control the um the uh, uh what we and. All we can really control is our preparation, which we should do to the best of our ability. We control what we do in the moment, which we should do the very best job we can, and then we have to let go of our expectations, and okay. we have, to, uh, which means we can't make our goal hitting the target in the bullseye. We need to make our goal to do the best we can, and that's a bulletproof recipe for. Tranquility and equanimity in the face of, you know, an artistic life that's going to be kind of fraught with being ignored, being misunderstood, being criticized, all those things. Um, if you focus on the effort and make that your goal, uh, you know, you will fail, you will learn, you will grow, you will develop and get better. Um, so, Massimo, I can't. This is the inaugural episode of this uh, this new uh series, Meet the Modern Stoics, where I'm attempting to gather today's leading advocates to share the virtues and value of modern stoicism to help you thrive. And uh, Massimo, you have certainly done that. We are going to end the live broadcast. Everybody, please share the the lessons and uh, the learning that you, you drew from Massimo. I can't wait for his book. I hope that you will go out and buy it, but no matter what you do, make sure you go to his blog how to be a stoic it is loaded with information you could make a, a a school year out of just reading his blog and it's it's deep and impactful stuff all right gang thanks very much thank you massimo That was fun did you enjoy this episode of meet the modern stoics then help me spread the Stoic goodness and leave a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend about the podcast or email me at scott at Tell me what you think or who I should have on next. It's always great to hear from you. Remember, you can access all of the video versions of these interviews at thestoicguitarist.com. And while you're there, grab the free resource guide and checklist on how to become a bulletproof creative and a thriving artist in any endeavor or enterprise. Thanks for tuning in and for your support and participation. See you next time. Fate permitting.